Hey church, uh, I want to say thank you so much for reaching out all the messages uh, that you sent to Ivan and me about the church plant. We're, we're so excited about this, and I'm looking forward to seeing a lot of you on Wednesday evening. But to start things off uh, with the message, I want to share with you about a YouTube video that I watched uh, about a volcanic eruption in 2021 in La Palma, which is an island in Spain. Now, the volcano, there was a lot of lava flowing that uh, ruined homes and businesses and caused a lot of loss to the community. But the thing that really struck me about the video was the interviews and how differently people responded to the tragedy. One person that was being interviewed, you could just see that they were despondent and they were, were just stuck. They didn't know how to move forward. And as I was watching that, I couldn't help but to, to feel compassion for this person. I mean, they, they were going through a lot. But then there was another person that also had lost so much. They lost their business facilities. They lost their home. And they even lost some of their livestock. But this person responded quite differently, with a lot of resilience. And they, they focused on, on what they were able to do, which honestly was not that much. But they started setting up their business again, and, and they vowed, I will build back my house. And it was so moving and inspiring. Now, watching this video made me wonder, what allowed this one person to respond to, to this tragedy and these difficulties with such courage and, and resilience, while other people were, were paralyzed and, and just stuck with what had happened. What, what allowed this one person to, to be so resilient in the face of these huge challenges? Now, I'm sure there's a lot of uh, answers to, to that question when you look through the history of the person's life. But it also made me think about our Christian faith. What allows individuals, but also church, to have a strong faith that they can face challenges? And to be more specific, how can we as Christians in Hong Kong build a strong and a robust faith now that allows us to walk confidently and courageously into the future? So today we're continuing in our message series, The Unfinished Story, and, and we're going to see a, a way that the early church in, inspires us to be the church in Hong Kong today. But before we get into the details of that, I want to share with you a little bit about the context. Now, the book of Acts is, is about the beginning of the church and the spread of the early Jesus movement. The Holy Jesus promised that the Holy Spirit would come upon the believers. And, and when the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost, they were filled with the Spirit. And one of them, Peter, he stood up and he gave an incredible sermon. And he, he talked about the significance of who Jesus was, his, his death, his resurrection. And that he was the Messiah, the one that Israel actually had been waiting for to deliver them. Not just of Israel, but of the world. And he called people to respond in repentance and faith. And people were cut to the heart. And he responded in faith. And on that day, 3,000 people, can you imagine that? 3,000 people 
came to faith and they joined the early Christian community. Now the part where we pick up the story is, is this newly formed community and how they did life together and the, the practices that were important to them. So let's, let's look at that. Uh, we're in Acts chapter 2 and we're starting in verse 42. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, and together with glad and sincere hearts, they praised God and enjoyed the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So here we have a, a summary of this life together of this early church. And I believe it's these practices that help the church build that solid faith. To, to be in tune with the Spirit and to be such a vibrant, Spirit-filled, mission-oriented church that could thrive despite challenges and persecution. So we're, we're told that they devoted themselves to four things. The, the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, the breaking of bread and to prayer. But before we get into those four practices, I actually want to just take a moment and, and look at the word devoted. Because they devoted themselves to those four practices. Now the Greek word is proskantaruntes. And besides meaning devoted, it also means to persist in something, to hold fast to, to continue in, and to persevere in something. So the early Christian community, they, they persevered, they, can, they, they, they persisted in these practices. And I believe it's these very practices that open up their lives to God and for the Holy Spirit to just lead them and guide them as they were this new movement and this, this church that, that, that was birthed. Now, what's so significant about these practices and how, how do they help us and even speak to us today about building a strong faith? Well, let's, let's look at that. Now, the, the first uh, thing that we're told that they devote themselves to is the apostles' teaching. Now, what in the world is that? Well, the apostles were the, the 12 disciples of Jesus, that, that inner circle that was with Jesus, that ministered with him for three years, that, that heard Jesus' teaching, and even was they were taught by Jesus. But not only that, they also saw, they were eyewitnesses to what Jesus had done to his death, to his resurrection. So they, they taught the early, Jesus, uh, the early church what they learned about Jesus. They, they gave testimony. But that's not the only thing they did. They also interpreted Israel's scriptures to the early church. Now, what's Israel's scriptures? Well, that's what we call the Old Testament. But they interpreted it in light of Jesus. Because Jesus himself had said that all scriptures are fulfilled in him. And so they showed that, that Jesus was the Messiah, the one that, that Israel had been waiting for 
that the whole world had been waiting for him, that he is the redeemer. And so you can even see that when you look at Acts chapter 2, the story just before for this part that we're talking about, uh, where Peter, he drew on a lot of Old Testament, but he interpreted through the lens of Jesus' coming and what Jesus did. So for, for us, what is the apostles' teaching today? Well, it's really the letters in the books of the New Testament, but it's also the larger story, which includes the Old Testament. It's just that we read it through the lens of Jesus. So, so what did it mean for the early church to be devoted to the apostles' teaching? Well, it meant that God's word, Jesus' teaching, they played a central role in, in the community's life. They were committed to learning about Jesus, but not only to, to learning information, but to actually living it out. So being devoted to the apostles' teaching was not just about learning about Jesus, as important as it is, but it also was about having a personal encounter with Jesus. So when, when they gathered and they heard the teaching, Jesus made himself known to them. They, they met him personally. They communed with him. They spent time in his presence, and they heard him speak through these words and the Holy Spirit. Now, what might being devoted to the apostles' teaching or to God's word, what might that mean for us today? Well, first, it also means keeping God's word central in our lives. It means prioritizing, spending time in God's word. And then we can do that in a variety of ways. One of them we're doing right now, it's through, through listening to sermons and teaching. But we can also do it through Bible studies, like the one today at 2 p.m. that you can join on Zoom. You can also, also by reading with, with friends and family or by yourself, or even if that's help, more helpful for you, listening to an app. Actually, the early church, they, you know, they didn't own Bibles. They, they heard it. It was passed on mostly through the Word, so they were actually listening always uh, to the messages. So when you listen on the app, you're actually do, doing what the early church did. But second, the second way that, that, that we can uh, be devoted to the apostles' teaching today is, has to do with how we approach God's word. Now, a lot of times we approach God's word informationally. We, we focus on the information in the stories, maybe the characters. You know, there's God and there's this person and this other person, or, or, or the narrative structure and we gather all this information. And, and that's important. We, we actually want to absorb all those things. But reading the Bible informationally and, and learning the facts, it's, it's not enough. We, we also need to learn to read the Bible relationally. The Bible is not an end in itself. You know, our, our focus is, is to encounter God. And God makes himself known to us through his word personally. And so when, when we come to God's Word and we read the Bible, we need to read it relationally because we, we want to engage in that relationship with God. We want to hear Him speak. Now, when I was a community group's pastor, a lot of times I told community group leaders as they transitioned into the time in God's Word that sometimes it was helpful to remind a group of saying something like, hey, right now we're going to transition into time of God's Word. And I believe that God wants to speak to us. You know, he has something to say to us. 
So let's prepare our hearts. Let's be expectant. You know, there, there is something about this, this posture uh, when we come, that when we expect that Jesus will speak. Now, in my observation as a pastor, people usually don't struggle with the informational approach. That's actually what comes natural and easy. And, and there's a, a logical reason for that. That's how we're trained to read. When you study in school, you're, you're trained to read information. You need to get all the information so you can answer the questions on the test. Or even, even in business, when you read the business report and the data and the stats, uh, you, you read for information to fish it out. So it's quite natural that we approach God's way. But one thing that I found uh, practical and very helpful and, and that helps us have this relational approach to God's Word is to read the Bible prayerfully. And when I do that, I, I usually pay attention to the highs and the lows. And I, I, I journal on them. Well, what are the highs and lows? What am I talking about? Well, the, the highs are the words and verses that stick out to me. They just kind of pop out when, when I'm reading prayerfully reading the Bible, and they resonate deeply in my heart. And so one example, even as I was preparing the, the, the sermon, was this, this word devoted. As, as I was preparing, preparing this message, it just popped out to me. And so then I, I prayed over it, and, and seeking to understand what is God saying you know, like, and, and what, what I got is that God is calling us to persist in these practices to make them, you know, get back to the basics, to make them central again. But what, what, what are the lows? Well, what is that about? Well, the lows are words and verses that challenge us or unsettle us. And so as I was reading uh, also this passage, the, the thing that was a little bit unsettling to me and that challenged me, and I, and I believe also us here as well, was verse 44 and 45, where it says, All the believers were together, and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. So a, a law, it might challenge us where maybe our lives is, are, is not aligned with God's will or purpose, where, where we're living a little bit differently than God is actually calling us to but it could also be something where God just wants us to know him more fully. Maybe we don't know that God is this generous, incredible God. And so, so that, that sticks out to us. So, so lows does not mean bad. It just means that the Holy Spirit is, is highlighting something to us that we need to hear. So as these highs and lows pop up, as you're reading the Bible prayerfully, uh, allow yourself to pause you don't need to rush on and talk to God or journal and ask him, Lord, what do you, what, why are you highlighting this to me? And, and God will, will speak to us and he gives us words, you know, to his church, but also individually and in season. And again, it's this personal encounter when we make God's word central in our lives. So when we read the Bible prayerfully, it is a lot of times at the highs and lows that the Holy Spirit is speaking to us. So one way that we can build and strengthen our faith is when we make God's word central in our lives and we open ourselves up for this relationship and for God to speak to us. Now another practice that the early church devoted themselves to was the breaking of bread. 
Now, what, what is that referring to? Well, it's, it's referring to this meal that Jesus uh, told his disciples he wanted them to observe. And, and basically, in this, in this meal, Jesus was explaining the significance of his life, his death, and his resurrection. And in particular, the, the significance of what Jesus did on the cross. And we call it communion. We, we call it the Lord's Supper, depending on what, what tradition you're, you're from. And so in verse 46, in, in our passage, we're told that they broke bread in their homes and ate together. So the early church, they, they celebrated communion just on their normal everyday meals. So it was not this once-a-month special occasion, but it was something that happened continuously. And this practice was a way of putting Jesus at the center of their community. And each time the early church uh, did that, they remembered when they broke the bread that Jesus gave his body for them on the cross. And when they drank the wine, they remembered that Jesus gave them forgiveness. But he also made a new covenant with them. And they also remember that Jesus one day will come again and he will finish the work, his redeeming work that he has started. So by celebrating this, this, this meal and the breaking of the bread regularly, the early church put the gospel at the center of their community life. But there's another aspect that's often overlooked. Breaking the bread together is a powerful way of displaying the gospel. When we, when we share meals, or even at that time, meals, there was a lot of separation when it came to eating. Now, the way I always picture it is with, you think of like a Netflix show or, 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 or some film about eating in a high school cafeteria in the U.S. And you have like the cool table, and then you have the, the nerd table or the not-so-cool kids table, and, and they don't eat together. And if you sit down at the wrong table, uh, you will find out. Well, in a similar way, in, in Greco-Roman society and Jewish culture, there was a lot of separation when it came to eating together. For, for Greco-Romans, a lot of it had to do with power and status and position. Even where you sat already said something about where you were on the social ladder. And there was even people you're not supposed to eat with, so you didn't eat with them at all. But in this early Christian community, which was right from the start, as we heard a few weeks ago from Pastor Andrew, was multi-ethnic and socioeconomic diverse community, they put Jesus at the center, and they focused on the unity of, of being this one family and having shared authority in Jesus. It was not about pecking order, and really, this is what Jesus had won on the cross for us, that we're one reconciled family, because God makes us family, and it's, it's powerful when, when we share a meal at a table together. Now, what might, what might that mean for us today, being, being devoted to the breaking of the bread? Well, as at the Vine, we celebrate every first Sunday of the month. We celebrate communion. And I know there's been so many times where we're just am really strengthened and encouraged or just even deeply touched and moved by Jesus' forgiveness for me. But, but we don't have to just celebrate this once a month. We can celebrate it with our friends, with family, maybe with your small group. 
And so for us today, this, this, this practice of, of celebrating communion is an anchoring practice that God uses to strengthen us, to nourish us, and to pour this grace over us. You know, and it's, and, and it's a way of us telling the gospel to each other. You know, we don't just need to hear the gospel once, like, and then come to faith. We need to hear it regularly because we live by God's grace. We need to be reminded of it and moved by it. So, so by celebrating communion regularly, we can put Jesus and what he did at the center. But we're also declaring that Jesus has made us one family. Because guess what? Today there still is a lot of separation when it comes to eating around a table. There's still a lot of division and strife. So don't underestimate the, the power of what, what is displayed, the beauty of the gospel of how he makes us one family. So I'm wondering, what is one occasion this week? Maybe it's a family dinner or, or a time with a friend where you can break bread together. And you can use 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23 through 26 to guide you. It's a way for you to keep the gospel central. And also a step of obedience because Jesus told us and encouraged us to do this. Now another practice that the early church devoted themselves to was prayer. The word prayer is actually in the plural, so it's prayers. So, so it includes corporate prayer, includes, uh, includes individual prayer. There probably also is a reference to uh, praying during times of prayer, even along with, with the Jewish community and praying psalms. But when you read the book of Acts, I mean, the theme of prayer, it's so beautiful. I'm always so encouraged by it. You should do that sometime. Just read through Acts and just focus on all the times when prayer is mentioned, when the church prays. Incredible stuff happens. So for example, early on when the church prays, they, they're seeking guidance for how to replace one of the apostles, and God provides guidance. They, when Peter is arrested and then released, the church prays for courage and boldness. And I love this, they didn't pray to be saved, they prayed for courage and boldness. And then the place was shaken and they were filled with the Spirit and they were bold. Then later on, during prayer, there, there's a vision and where the, the Holy Spirit speaks through the, 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 the vision and, and there, there's been separation um, and people have been excluded and, and God wants, them, wants to remove those barriers so he speaks through his to his church and prayer through a vision with Peter and, and, and Cornelius and tears down those barriers that, that are keeping people out from the Christian community. So, so prayer for the early church was absolutely essential, and God met them, he spoke to them, and he moved powerfully through prayer. Now, what might being devoted to prayer look like for us today? Well, we've also been given this incredible resource, you know, to pray individually, corporately, and God still speaks to us the same way. He still speaks to us the same way when we pray. It's not just us talking um, even though we do that as well, but it's also God speaking to us. And he wants to meet us and he wants to work through a church that prays because a church, when a church prays, powerful things happen. 
Now, in my mid-20s, I, I was on a medical mission ship called Mercy Ships, and I attended a discipleship training school, and then part of the time, I also helped out in the finance department. And during, during that time, I, I joined an early morning prayer before breakfast. And let me tell you, breakfast was really early, which was not my, my favorite time. <laughs> but I really felt called to set aside that time. And what I loved about Mercy Ships was that they were open to having people serve that didn't have a Christian background. So they had a few. And one of those people was René. He was a German dentist. And so we, we, the, the prayer group in the morning, we got to know René on the ship. And over, Germans have a lot of vacations. So he was there on his vacation. So he was there five weeks or something. And, and over that time, you could just see his whole demeanor change. And, and you know, God was making himself known to him through the community. And so on the last day, when, when he was supposed to leave, we were praying in the morning. And then suddenly we had the sense that it was important for René not to leave without becoming a Christian. And so we started praying into that. And suddenly we started praying that his flight was canceled so that he would have more time. And so we sent René off and, and he went uh, to the airport. And then suddenly later on that evening, I see René and I was like, hey, René, what's up? Why, why are you here? It's like my flight was canceled. I was like, no way. <laughs> and, and he had to stay three more days. And, and he ended up placing his faith in Jesus. And I tell you, I was so in awe. Because not only had God led us to pray, you know, while we're praying, he led us to pray in that way, but he powerfully worked through his prayer. And man, that strengthened my faith. You better believe that. So as a church, when we're devoted to prayer, God wants to strengthen our faith. He wants, wants to bring forth that awe because God moves when we pray. He moves powerfully. So maybe what is one way this week that you can devote yourself to prayer? And then finally, we're, we're told that they devoted themselves to fellowship. Now, the Greek word for fellowship, it's, it's probably the best-known Greek word, uh, koinonia, it means sharing in common. Now, what do we share in common? Well, it's the experience of Jesus' saving work in our lives and the pouring out of the Spirit, and, and we share this life in Christ in common together. And there's a beautiful description in our passage where this koinonia, this, this life together is pictured. So I want to read this to you. It's in verse 44 through through, uh, we'll go through 46. And it says, All the believers were together. So you see the emphasis on together. And had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. So they met together, they ate together. And for them, it was important to gather in these more intimate settings and in, in smaller uh, groups, but to also gather as a large group in the temple courts. And when they did that, they did hear the apostles' teaching. They did pray together. They did care for each other in, a, in an amazingly generous way. And it's, it's a spirit-filled generosity generosity. 
It's like a, a, a king, you know, they thought it was not just begrudging thing, or no, I have to give. It was, it was a joyful thing. It was an investment in the kingdom. And they also broke bread together. So what's the significance for, for us for being devoted uh, to fellowship, uh, to, to koinonia here in Hong Kong? What, what, what does that look like? Well, one of the obvious things is that we're meant to be both in those more intimate and in those larger settings where we do life together. And, and God gives us each other so that we can encourage each other and build each other up in our faith and strengthen each other. And we actually need each other. Christianity is not meant to be lived on our own. I don't know about you, but I've experienced so many times God working through brothers and sisters in my life. You know, when I, both in the joys and in the sorrows and in the in-betweens. And it is so powerful when, when we get to share life together. And there's also a deep caring for one another and in knowing what the needs are. Because when we know each other well, we also know when someone is in need. And then the community can rise to the occasion and we can care for each other in this deep way. So we, we don't have to walk into the future in Hong Kong uh, by ourselves, but we can get to walk in the future as a church family together. And we, we can have the support network so we can face this future with faith and courage. So if, if you haven't been able to, to connect to one of our smaller communities, we have a lot of incredible ones. Actually, let me tell you about a few of them. We have Filipino community called Philcom. We have the Cantonese community. We have the Mandarin community. We have community groups, of course. We have the K4C community. They're also a community of parents and children. We, we have, of course, community groups. Uh, we have a RISE community. Um, so, so do go scan that QR code and, and check out ways uh, for getting connected. Maybe that, that is, for some of you, really the step that, that God is inviting you to take today. So God strengthens us when we are devoted to fellowship. Now, at the beginning of the message, I asked, how can we as Christians in Hong Kong strengthen and build a robust faith now so that we can walk confidently and courageously into the future? Well, our passage gives us the answer. We can strengthen our faith by being devoted to the apostles' teaching, to God's word, uh, by being devoted to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. The church is weak when it is not devoted to God's word, does not live in fellowship, does not pray, and does not break bread together. But when we commit ourselves to these practices and we persist in them, you know, something beautiful happens. We, we open our lives to God and God fills us with this Holy Spirit. And, and this beautiful, courageous and, and vibrant and spirit-filled faith and community moves forward. So let me ask you this. In what ways right now are you sensing the Holy Spirit inviting you to respond to this message? 
Which one of these four areas has God been speaking to you about? And what is one concrete way that, that you are going to respond? Church, I don't know about you, but I am so inspired and moved when I look at this, this, this community, this early Christian community, and all the, the implications for us and how it inspires us, how we can be the church, and how God wants to strengthen us in the season in our faith. And you know, we, we're going to get to write this beautiful chapter of this unfinished story of the church in Hong Kong. Well, church, let me, let me pray for us. Jesus, I, I, I thank you so much that, that you, yeah, make us family. That, that you invite us into a relationship with you. That you speak to us when, when we spend time in your word. That you make your will and your purpose for us known. That you give us personal words that we need to hear. Jesus, I thank you that you give us prayer, that, that when we just talk with you, when we converse with you, that, that, that you speak to us, that you give us visions, that you guide your church. And Jesus, I thank you for fellowship, that, that we get to do this life together, that we're not on our own. We can, we can walk into this future uh, faithfully and, and, and with strong and a resilient faith because we, we have each other and you use you use us to strengthen each other. And so, I, Lord, I just pray that you would fill us now with your spirit and that you will lead us as, as we respond and, and go back to these basics and just make the space in our lives for you. I pray all this in your name, Jesus. Amen.